I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. I'm very lucky to be joined now in the studio by Dave Barden, the co-founder of Expand. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Carl. It's a pleasure being here. All right. You know, I'm going to, first things first, I'm going to point our listeners to your website, which is xpand.io. Okay, Dave, give us the elevator pitch for Expand. Sure. Expand, uh, we are an employee onboarding and readiness solution uh, targeted for large enterprises that are hiring at scale. And uh, what we are helping uh, these organizations do is uh, uh, three things. Uh, first of all, our logistical readiness. Uh, and what we are helping with the logistical readiness part is to ensure that all of the uh, uh, set of processes that an employee needs to uh, go through in order to uh, come to day one and have a space to sit, uh, have uh, equipment to work on, are all automated uh, behind the scenes uh, smoothly. Uh, secondly, uh, we enable social engagement. Uh, and what uh, what we mean by social engagement in this context is uh, the ability for a new employee to actually start building a social network within the organization with people that have common backgrounds as them. And the final thing is around knowledge transfer. Uh, when a new employee is uh, joining an organization, there's a lot of information that needs to be presented to them in a very uh, systematic and a short time frame. Uh, and what Expand is allowing uh, to do is to contextualize this information and uh, uh, presented in bite-sized chunks. All right, maybe you could give us an example of a customer. You don't, you don't necessarily need to use the name, but if you can, that's great. And then, and what the actual user experience looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, uh, some of our marquee customers, uh, one of the largest, fastest, and largest uh, transportation and logistics uh, companies in the world. Right? Uh, uh, we are working with them one of the largest uh, social networks platform. Uh, we're working with them. Uh, just to give you an understanding of uh, what the experience looks like, when an employee gets hired, uh, Expand kicks in right from the time that the employee has said, woohoo, I'm ready to join this uh, company as an employee. Uh, and, then empl uh, and then Expand uh, automates the process of uh, creating the offer contract. Um, and as you can imagine, creating an offer contract in a global enterprise is a highly complicated process, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're hiring in multiple geographies. Uh, you have to comply with uh, lots of regulations. And Expand is helping to automate all of that. So uh, within uh, 24 hours of you actually accepting your job, you get an offer contract uh, in your email. Uh, and from once you have accepted the offer, uh, then we go into the actual uh, pre-boarding and onboarding experience. And what that includes is to automate uh, everything from uh, provisioning your equipment. Uh, so for example, Carl, if you're joining as uh, someone in the sales group, uh, you would probably need uh, a Surface tablet. Uh, you would probably need a mobile phone uh, with AT&T network on it. You'd probably need business cards. And Expand allows uh, the teams to completely automate that so uh, it's the onus is not on the employee or the hiring manager uh, to scratch their head and like figure out how they get these things for you. Uh, and finally, uh, uh, after you have joined and post day one, uh, we actually create a hyper-personalized uh, content experience for you, uh, which is a combination of helping you understand the culture and fabric of the organization. So this is content that uh, the organization creates which helps you to understand the mission values and goals the different uh, businesses that uh, this organization is doing, and then dovetails into the actual skills that you need to develop uh, as you uh, become a sales uh, employee in this group. 
All right. Super helpful to make that clear. It all sounds like stuff that I definitely would not want to do myself or that I would (laughs) love to have somebody help me with. But give me a sense of of how big big a company do I need to be to to have this make sense? That's a great great question, Carl. Uh, I feel like... uh, from a founding team perspective, we feel the market opportunity is across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether uh, any enterprise that is hiring needs great onboarding in order for getting an ROI on their employee. Um, but where the actual ROI f- of Expand comes, uh, what we have noticed is any organization that's hiring more than 500 people a year yeah. uh, is a great customer for us. Yeah. And, and maybe while we're on that topic, tell us a little bit about what it takes to set up your service and how you price it. Great. Yeah. Yes. So uh, in order to set up the service, uh, we have an implementation team. Uh, and uh, because it's a highly complicated uh, implementation process, we are actually connecting to more than 21 systems on an average. Uh, in in one customer? In, in one customer. Wow. Yeah. And so as you can imagine, it requires a lot of integration work uh, and to ensure that data is transferring smoothly from one system to the other. Uh, so the uh, implementation process can last anywhere between 12 to 18 weeks, depending on the complexity of mm-hmm. the uh, technology ecosystem. And uh, what we do during this implementation process is not just the engineering and the integration work, but we also uh, handle the customer towards creating personalized uh, experiences for the employees that can be tailored uh, based on different geographies and different job functions. Yeah, and then the pricing. Uh, so the pricing, uh, is, it's based on a two-tier model. Uh, we have an annual subscription fee, uh, which allows the customers to get unlimited upgrades uh, and 24-7 support. Uh, we have pretty... Uh, uh, aggressive SLAs in terms of turnaround times on our service deliveries. Uh, and uh, and then on top of that, it's based on usage. So it mm-hmm. depends on the number of uh, employees that uh, this organization yeah. is going to hire. So roughly speaking, let's say I'm doing 500, 500 to 1,000 uh, uh, hires per year. About what what do I pay per hire? Uh, so you would, uh, it's, a, it's a sliding scale. Yeah. And uh, we actually organic, uh, we came up with a pricing calculator mm-hmm. uh, based on uh, talking to a lot of experts in the industry. And what we found is the customer uh, preference uh, is actually a logarithmically declining curve. Mm. Um, so uh, so that's, that's how we price it. Uh, uh, meaning as volume increases, they pay, want to pay less and less. Yeah. Uh, but at a Oh boy, logarithmically declining. So <laughs> Which means that'd be gentle- I mean, there's this asymptotic, yeah. meaning eventually you're exactly. going to get down. So let me let me ask it that way. If I'm if I'm hiring a lot of customers, about yeah. what a lot of hires, about what would I? Pay? Uh, so you'd be paying anywhere between uh, thirty and forty dollars. Oh, all right, not bad. I was going to yeah. guess a hundred. So it's that's it's you. This is this is like uh, organizations that are hiring more than five thousand people. Yeah, all right. So yeah. big, 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 big ball. Okay, great. All right, I get that. This all sounds like the benefit proposition is really quite quite compelling. Um, what? Where did the idea come from? Great. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, some of the largest organizations uh, globally, and uh, one you mean in prior jobs, prior jobs, yeah. in my prior jobs, yeah. and uh, one of the anecdotes that uh, really resonated with me uh, was uh, when I was actually at Wharton, and I was interning in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that summer, I broke up my internship into two parts. And one of the parts, I worked in a large bank. Mm -hmm. And the internship period was about 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, And it took them two and a half weeks to get me a laptop. 
<laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine like 25% uh, of my internship, I was twiddling my thumbs just yeah. like reading through documents and yeah. just like trying to connect with people. Uh, and I was sitting there, oh wow, this is such a waste. Uh, yeah. And uh, imagine if you're doing this at scale and uh, you're not able to provision these services and resources for your employees. Now, was it at that moment you were thinking about this business? At or that moment, that yeah. So yeah. the idea germinated, but I didn't decide to do anything about it because I was still not sure that this is an organization specific issue or this is mm -hmm. uh, just specific to my use case. And now I understand why you didn't mention the name of the employer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, there'll be a customer at some point. Yeah. They're an extremely large organization. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's some, at some point uh, we'll, we'll make them a customer. Okay. All right. So you've got this idea that the idea is germinated as, as you put it. And what did you do to validate the idea? Yeah. And, and how far did, I guess, what, sir, what I'm asking is you probably had a day job. And how did you think yeah. about validating this opportunity before you made the leap? Yeah. So that was the first uh, trigger point in my um, in my head to like, hey, this is a problem. And, and then I didn't do anything about it at that point because I wasn't sure if it's, uh, it's an outlier or if it's actually a norm. Uh, but then uh, more recently, after I graduated from business school, uh, I was uh, at another large Fortune 500 uh, corporation, and I was uh, uh, responsible for a pretty large business segment there, uh, which was a $200 million analytics and software business segment. And one of the uh, things that we uh, were struggling with was churn. And uh, what we found is that it was taking about nine months for an average salesperson joining our team uh, to get to full quota productivity. Mm. Um, and this really got me thinking, connecting the dots back to my time at the internship is like, okay, there are multiple organizations here that are not able to get the employee effective and productive in a, in, in a fashion that it needs to be at. Uh, and then I started digging deeper and I talked to a lot of uh, peers in my network uh, who were in similar situations just to understand, is this unique to these two organizations? Does there exist a market here? Uh, and uh, as I spoke to more and more people, not just in uh, in the business side, but also on the HR side, uh, I found that there was an unmet ne need here. Uh, there, there were no technologies that existed that could actually compress uh, the time to productivity and the time to onboard an employee. And that's uh, where I decided to uh, actually take up this opportunity and do something about it. All right. So, uh, and then and then you quit your job. I didn't quit my job. Yeah, no. all right. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, what I wanted to do is validate my thesis. So I actually spent about two and a half uh, months just researching the market, just talking to a lot of people, just understanding if a solution was to develop, what the solution would look like, mm -hmm. and uh, what is what are the pains we're going to solve with this uh, solution, and uh, how are we going to price this. Yeah. Uh, once I had that comfort, uh, I also connected uh, with my co-founder uh, who uh, is now our chief technology officer, mm -hmm. uh, who was actually uh, working at Wharton at the time. <laughs> Uh, and he and I had met uh, during uh, our, my business school years. Uh, and so I, I presented this proposition to him. He uh, really got enthusiastic about this idea because he had similar experiences in his own career. Um, and then we decided that, okay, now we can start building an engineering team that can actually solve uh, this problem. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when we decided to quit. Both of, our, both of us quit our jobs and then uh, started Expand. Yeah. Dave, so if I think about it, if I think about that opportunity, Great opportunity, great pain point, has very tangible benefits, but it has two things that 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 bug me a little bit as an aspiring entrepreneur. One is I gotta build some tech and it's not easy. Yeah. And the second thing is I gotta acquire customers that's gonna have a really long sales cycle. Absolutely. So I wonder if you thought how you thought about setting out on this journey 
where you had a pretty long development pipeline and a pretty long sales cycle and how you thought about the financial risk and the financing. Great. Yeah. Uh, yes. So first of all, we decided what an MVP should look like. Yeah. So that MVP, I think most of you know, but minimum viable product. Minimum viable product. Yeah. Exactly. And believe it or not, our prototype was actually a PowerPoint deck uh, with click-throughs. Uh, yeah. That was our... <laughs> That's awesome. I love <laughs> that. That was our yeah. Yeah. prototype. I took that prototype back to my um, ex-employer and I, I and I showed it to them and I said like, would you be willing to pilot this mm -hmm. if this product is developed? And they said, yeah, we would give it a shot. And then I took it to another ex employer and I took it to three more companies and everyone said, if this product existed, we'll pilot it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that gave me confidence that there's a willingness to pay here. Uh, then we bootstrapped it and uh, we actually put in our own savings, uh, both uh, my co-founder and I, uh, my co-founder's name is Kalyan. Uh, we put in our own savings, bootstrapped it uh, to the first working version. We took it back to uh, the customers that agreed to do a pilot when it's ready, uh, and they signed a contract, uh, and we ran a pilot. All right, so let's circle around on the two questions I asked. A actually, the two, they're the standard two questions in entrepreneurship, which is, will the dogs eat the dog food? Yeah. And, and can you make the dog food? Yeah. Those are the two things. Yeah. So you answered uh, uh, both, of the, both of those questions. Just calibrate us a little bit on what did it cost to build that MVP, Yeah. and how'd you do it? Yeah. Uh, so it costed us about uh, $70,000 yeah. to build the MVP. Yeah. Uh, and the way we do it uh, is we hired a team of engineers uh, that have worked for Kalyan in their, in, and he had hired them in previous jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, and we asked them to moonlight. Mm. Uh, so we had uh, an engineering team that was working from uh, almost 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. and then from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Interesting. So we got eight hours in um, and, uh, and they were amped because uh, we really uh, got them sold on the vision and they wanted to join the team when we actually raised the funding. So you lay, you held out the possibility they would be, they would be full-time yep. members of the team exactly. when and if you got to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did that happen? That happened. Yeah. Yeah. So three of them joined. So wow. we were very happy about it. One of them didn't join because they got a much more lucrative offer, which, we <laughs> which we couldn't compete against. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then on the, will the dogs eat the dog food yeah. part of it? I thought, I really like what you did. So you essentially pre-sold the, the 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 trial, at least, exactly to people you had a relationship yeah. with. Did they, in fact, they did, in fact, pilot? Those they piloted, yeah. and the pilot was uh, actually really successful. So we yeah. went from a $5,000 pilot to a $75,000 uh, contract for onboarding all salespeople. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that $75,000 contract went into a $300,000 contract uh, for onboarding all employees uh, in that uh, particular customer. And then you, at that point, probably faced a decision as to whether to raise some money and uh, and grow a little faster or right. to grow organically and bootstrap. What did you, you do? So we decided to uh, keep growing organically. And uh, part of the reason was because I was uh, also a venture capital associate before business school. Mm -hmm. And I sort of knew the ins and outs of like what it means to take money early on, mm -hmm. <laughs> how dilutive it can be. And... Uh, and all of the control that you give away if you actually bring in an institutional investor at that early stage. Uh, and so we felt like uh, instead of uh, doing that, if we could grow somehow by our revenues, uh, which we did, and then also by extending our financing uh, to target a more niche audience, which was family offices and angel investors. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. Oh, and you did eventually do that. We did. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Give us a sense of the, t the financing timeline and, and actually take us, give us a sense of the overall timeline. So, you quit your job when? Uh, so I quit my job uh, towards uh, fall of 2013. 2013, and then you launched the MVP. 
and we launched the MVP in uh, late summer of 2014. Okay. And then when did you take the first outside money? Uh, so the first outside money we took in uh, early 2015. Okay, early 2015. And then ha has that been enough or have you raised more money uh, since? We've raised uh, more money since. Yeah. Um, and uh, we actually also received a VC term sheet uh, recently, which we decided not to mm -hmm. go with. And why was that? Uh, control. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, it was an aggressive... Uh, it was, yeah. Uh, it was aggressive and... Uh, I mean, it wasn't aggressive in the sense like from if you look at the industry terms yeah. versus like what we got. Uh, it was actually pretty decent term sheet. Uh, it was just that we as founders realized that we wanted uh, to build this more before we actually mm -hmm. uh, took more institutional capital. You know, you're my second guest today who has talked about this trade-off. Both of you have gone this way, which is to grow a little slower, a little more organically in order to, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily frame it as control, but as really, you know, this is our company. We're tr building this vision. We're in this for the long run. We don't necessarily want to roll the dice with an outside partner right. on this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could talk just a little bit. I got a couple questions. And the first is, I, I, well, let me just ask the first one, which is, um, why do people hate HR so much? Why is it that it is so bad? And is there a solution in sight? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a very loaded question, Carl. <laughs> well, do you, do you disagree? Um, well, I don't necessarily disagree, but also you have to understand that uh, when people talk about HR, uh, they talk about it from a very monolithic perspective. Yeah. Uh, what we tend to forget is that there are different uh, functional areas within HR that are doing different jobs. And uh, this is an anecdote that uh, one of my uh, team members often brings up. Uh, he says the only interactions that most employees have with HR is when either they've done something wrong <laughs> 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 or there's something uh, bad that's, uh, is going to present itself. Uh, so if you look at the interactions uh, that they've had, either it's during the beginning of their um, uh, job at that organization or if, the, if something goes wrong, right? That's when you'll have a sit-down chat with HRN mm. and you'll get a little bit of a slapstick uh, or whatever course of action they want to take with you. So from that perspective, uh, your interactions with them have been uh, from a very, not, not a very positive experience, right? Uh, but also you have to understand that that's not just the job of uh, HR is not just about compliance and uh, and regulations and uh, and uh, risk mitigation. Uh, HR is also doing other functions in the organization, such as talent acquisition, um, and that's a very critical uh, strategic uh, function in the organization. If you're not building t uh, the talent bench, then you cannot survive as uh, as a long-term sustainable uh, organization. HR is also uh, responsible for educating uh, the employee workforce, and that goes into uh, learning and development. So there are strategic uh, aspects of HR uh, that people often tend to forget when they talk about HR as a monolithic organization. Yeah, but people don't like those parts either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, uh, it's, it's debatable. I mean, you, you have to acquire talent, and the way yeah. you acquire talent, uh, what we've seen is that talent acquisition has become more of a marketing sport now mm. uh, within HR, and which is why you see the adoption of a lot of different innovative technologies yeah. for, uh, for acquiring talent. Uh, and also we are seeing a uh, similar uh, seismic shift in learning and development where uh, traditionally learning and development in the enterprise used to be compliance driven. And it's like, hey, you have to take these five compliance courses. Mm -hmm. uh, more and more organizations are realizing that if you want to invest in the employee, you have to invest in their education and learning. And when you take that angle, then you're willing to adopt technologies. You're willing to adapt uh, different frameworks uh, that you can actually bring into the organization and progress your employee set. 
All right. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is you're called expand and there are lots of problems in HR. How do you expand? Like what are the adjacent, what are the adjacent opportunities other than onboarding? Absolutely. So we're building towards a really big vision, Carl. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you can imagine uh, what, when we talk about expand, uh, we are starting with the onboarding puzzle. Uh, but what we are building towards is because we are this connected hub, uh, we're actually connecting to the heart and uh, soul of the organization. Uh, we are able to gather a lot of data on, on different aspects of uh, the employee lifecycle. And uh, where we are going towards is uh, a natural platform which does not feel like a forced function to you, uh, but something that you log in and say, for example, Carl, your wife was working and uh, she wanted to go on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. uh, the system will recognize that, hey, uh, you know, Mrs. Ulrich, uh, you're going to be going to unmetered leave. These are the uh, policies you need to know. I hope that's not true, by the way. Because <laughs> 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 oh, I have two grown children. But, <laughs> but anyway, go, carry on. <laughs> uh, so so that, that's the uh, level of uh, engagement that we're trying to build towards is that uh, the system should automatically r uh, recognize where you are in your uh, life cycle and be able to not just recommend uh, different uh uh, resources that are useful to you at that point, but also uh, help you understand where your skill trajectory is going within the organization. So connecting uh, your skill set uh, with your future skill set in your career trajectory and then recommending uh, uh, knowledge and uh, learning materials that can help you achieve that gap. All right. Well, we just have less than a minute, but but I wonder if you can reflect back when you were working for one of those big companies and think about what you wish you'd known about entrepreneurship that you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're uh, staring at a black hole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's what you didn't know? Yeah. So <laughs> I think uh, when you look at entrepreneurship, uh, you're literally taking a ship, uh, which you've never driven before. Uh, you have to pilot that ship in uncharted territories that uh, seas that you've never seen before. And you have to land it on a destination uh, that you have know nothing about. Uh, so that's how I look at entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, the way I look at success in entrepreneurship, uh, I have this principle of three Ps, which is patience, perseverance, and persistence. All right. Well, that's a really good summary of, the, <laughs> of what we need, although you make it sound pretty daunting, that whole sh piloting the ship in the dark thing. Um, uh, and actually, I think it's probably not fair given it seems like you had a pretty clear vision of where you were trying to land the ship. So, uh, Dave, thanks so much for coming into the studio. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Carl. All right. For more information about Expand, visit them online, X-P-A-N-D, expand.io, expand.io. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM, Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes.